Welcome on in to Salt City FC, your weekly podcast focused on soccer here along the Wasatch Front and beyond. I'm Jay Catch. He is Sean Walker. We are your fearless co-host duo. Sean, how are you? I'm doing excellent, Jacob Hatch, and I'm mostly doing excellent because I'd like to give a big shout out to Maroon right. 5 lead singer Adam Levine for sponsoring us. Okay. Salt City FC. I thought you were going somewhere else with, with his this. tattoo uh, at the Super Bowl halftime show. Apparently, if you don't know what I'm talking about, check out our Twitter feed at yeah. Salt City FC. And apparently we offended our guest last week with said... Um, shameless plug but hey it is what it is sorry alex you're the best alex no but yeah it was sean that was some excellent work by you to track that down and we do appreciate yes adam levine giving up that eight square inches of his torso (laughs) for our logo it was money well spent i would say it was an you know it was about a five just in in the uh issue of transparency it was about a 5.2 million dollar advertising sponsorship but money well spent as far as i'm concerned (laughs) exactly Funny enough, that's exactly how much it costs to advertise a commercial on the Super Bowl. Oh, weird how that Shocking, works Shocking, I know. Yeah, weird how that works out. No, it, but it, it's been a fun week, of course. Uh, we are back. We are back in studio. It was cool, though, Sean. We should we need to record more often down at the Academy. We should do that more often. Like Essentially, we were pitch side. We were like one wall removed from the indoor practice fields there at the RSL Academy. We'll do that more going forward, but we are in studio this week. And the big news this week in RSL land, Real Salt Lake land, Sean, is the signing of a striker. RSL signs Sam Johnson. No, not that Sam Johnson. The, the second Sam Johnson to come to Utah in exactly. the last calendar year. We are good. We've talked about him on the podcast previously, the Liberian forward who's been playing for Villa Renga. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, in Norway. Uh, he's from Liberia originally, and he like spent some time in China as well, Wuhan, something or other. There in the Chinese Super League, but he is uh, coming to RSL. He'd been rumored to be a signing. It became official yesterday, and I think this guy, this player, has an opportunity to capture RSL fans' hearts and minds. Because guess what? The pressure is going to be on him from the get go because he is a target striker, and they haven't had that on the roster all off season. Yeah, he's the number nine that RSL has been so desperately needing, both in the front office, mm-hmm. on the roster, uh, and also from a fan perspective. This is what fans have been clamoring for. This is what they've been looking for. Um, and it's been long rumored and heavily awaited. And now Sam Johnson, just 25 years old, officially signing a designated player contract to come into Real Salt Lake. Um I, I think you're right. I think there are going to be a lot of expectations on him, but all signs point to, and everything I've heard about this guy from reporters and players, etc., around around Major League Soccer mostly, is that he is a guy who was quite simply too good um, yeah. for the uh, the the. I'm going to butcher this name. The Etisade and the, the Norwegian even, First Division. I'm not even trying. So the Norwegian go ahead. First Division. <laughs> um, yeah, he was just he was simply too good. Uh, for that league. And so whether you agree with him as a DP signing or not, he score, he scores goals. He scored at every stop along the way. Yep. Um, and he's also in the prime of his career, which I think is a big deal because this is a spot that is, he's now taking the place of one, um, and you might need to beep this out in post-production because I think this name has become a little bit of a swear word to RSL fans. But uh, Sam Johnson's taking the spot of one Alfredo Ortuño. Uh, Yeah, we don't know the exact deals of of Sam signing, but this was a million dollar spot. 
yes. in the past, according to the MLS Players Union. Um, so I think you're right. I think there are a lot of expectations, but this looks like a guy, fingers crossed, um, I, I think for most RSL fans that can certainly deliver on them. Sean, what you said right there, I think, is the key. Fingers crossed that he is the Fingers answer. Crossed. And I almost feel for him in a way. Knocking on wood there. I, I feel for him in a way because guess what? He's going to have a lot of hopes, dreams, and expectations heaped upon him simply showing up here as a number nine. But like you said, Sean, every place he's gone, he has produced. He is young, relatively 25 years old, fits in with this youth movement that RSL is going about. But it also sounds like he's very confident in his ability. The statement from the club said, quote, I'm ready for a new challenge in MLS. A lot of clubs came for me, but... Real Salt Lake put more effort than the other clubs. I spoke with my advisor. I spoke with my mom and some people who follow MLS closely, and it was an easy decision for me, Johnson said in a club release. Continuing, quote, I feel like I can showcase myself in one of the biggest leagues in the world. I'm excited to be here, and I look forward to playing for the fans in Salt Lake City. Close quote. I like that. He sounds confident, he sounds excited, and he's embracing being here in Salt Lake City. And that's what you want from a guy who's coming into a club like this. Because, Sean, you and I have both acknowledged on this podcast in the past, this is, Real Salt Lake is one of the smallest clubs in MLS, and it consistently punches above its weight relative to its market size. And I think a guy like this can help them continue to throw throw those haymakers at some of the big boys. Yeah, you want guys who have a little bit of that chip on their shoulder, guys who are willing to come in and, and and don't necessarily see themselves as coming into a small market, but see themselves as coming into a proving market. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Sam Johnson has a lot to prove in a very big market. He's, I mean, he was in a, a he was a kind of a big fish in a small pond in a lot of ways in Norway, uh, and he fared really well. He was a small fish in a big pond, at least financially, yes. over in China, and he performed very well. Um, and so now he gets a chance. This is kind of the the stepping stone chance, if you will, that he gets to prove himself on a, in a larger market, in a larger media market, certainly. And he's only 25 years old. So if, he, if, if you know, it's been acknowledged uh, certainly much more frequently in the last year, year and a half, where MLS is getting to the point where it's becoming a selling league. And I think Sam realizes that if he does well with Real Salt Lake, this could, that could springboard him to a bigger club, mm-hmm. to a bigger league, to maybe one of the top three or four leagues in the world even. Um, we're seeing that as a current trajectory for MLS players right now. And that's not a bad thing. I no. mean, that's that's simply MLS's place in the world. And I think it's a good place in the world to be at, considering we're barely over 20 years into the league and certainly even less time with Real Salt Lake. So if RSL can use a player like that, who is that hungry to get to the highest level Oh, and by the way, this is going to require him scoring a lot of goals, which I think fans like to hear. Um, I think it's a win-win situation. Yeah, exactly. And he joins an attack. Sean, I I had somebody point this out to me, and I guess I just glossed over it. I had it stuck in my mind. But RSL as a team last year scored 55 goals. It is one of the top three, I think, goal output seasons in club history. So... For all of the bemoaning of the forward position from RSL fans, last year they still scored at a very efficient clip. And if a guy like Sam Johnson can come in and be that finishing piece in that attacking foursome, I guess we should call it, with what Mike Pecky likes to do with his 4-3-3 alignment, 
if he can be that one piece that can help guys set up other guys, tee up other guys, and also be that clinical finisher that you want to see from your number nine, well, you might see even more goals this year. And that's the hope that he can kind of be that one key piece that RSL hasn't had during Mike Pecky's tenure to this point. Yeah, it's it's the one spot, and it also allows several of the the more fashionable forwards and more experienced forwards to transition into roles uh, that they know how to play a little bit more. Yeah. You know, uh, RSL last year was playing Corey Baird at out and out striker mm-hmm. center forward for much of the year, and he did really well. Like, I don't want to knock on Corey. Obviously, he's the reigning MLS Rookie of the Year. So, I mean, there's there's not a problem with necessarily how he played. I think he accepted and he embraced that role very well. But this is a guy who was a midfielder for much of his youth career, played out on the wing in college during a very successful college run at Stanford. Now he's transitioning into the center of the pitch. There was naturally a little bit of an adjustment, uh, certainly an adjustment level to playing there and you saw him do very well but maybe now bringing in a guy like Sam Johnson you can move Corey out a little bit wider where he's a little bit more comfortable yep. where he can get in on the action a little bit more and the same with guys who are natural wingers like Joao Plata Jefferson Saverino um, etc you, you also don't necessarily you don't need to move somebody like Damir Krylock who is a six or an eight depending yes. on how you on who you talk to um, you don't need to feel inclined to push him to center forward which really startled a lot of RSL fans when Mike Pecky first made that move. Obviously, again, it's a move that paid off pretty well. He adapted very well. Demir can play wherever Demir wants to play. Um, <laughs> wherever Demir wants to play, he plays. Yes, yeah. no, I'm with you. Um, 100%, but, but he can kind of you know fit in somewhere that's a little bit more comfortable there. Uh, this is also a move that gives Albert Rusnak who Real Salt Lake has invested a lot of money in, a yeah. little bit more freedom, somebody to, to to kind of pair up top so that he can play underneath and, and just lob balls in and be a little bit more of a facilitator rather than a go-to goal scorer all the time. So um, this is this is a move that I don't think is good for Sam, but it's it's good for his teammates at Real Salt Lake. Yeah, exactly. So this is a good move. I'm excited about it. And Sean, uh, we'll we'll see how it goes. We'll be tracking this. They're going to have their first official preseason action later this week. They're going to be playing there in Honolulu, uh, taking on some Japanese squads. It's an exciting time, and I'm interested to see how quickly they can get Johnson integrated into this lineup and just get him rolling with this team. He's going to have to earn his spot, plain and simple, because as you said, Sean, Corey Baird did play that, played that number nine role last year and did quite well with it. That's U.S. international, Fair. Corey Baird. We'll US, get to that in a couple seconds. Yeah, we'll here. get to that here shortly. We do need to talk about that. But let's get to our featured interview this week, Sean. You were out at Media Day. Um, had a chance to catch up with a lot of players and coaches. It's the annual Media Day, so they kind of just kind of roll people through. It's a car wash. The car wash. Yeah, bringing people through at, at when they're available. But you had a chance to speak with Aaron Herrera, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he did come through there. Um, great interview, great insights. No longer a rookie, now second year outside back, yep. uh, Aaron Herrera. Um, and uh, and he just talked about coming into preseason and, and what he kind of learned from the last season, which saw him play maybe a little bit more than even he expected. Um, but pay very close attention to this, Jake, because we've had a couple of these guys on on the podcast, guys like Alex yeah. Lehar from the Salt Lake Tribune, etc. Uh, certain media personalities that RSL fans know well. Yes. Um, pay attention, though to the first question asked of Aaron Herrera in this uh, featured interview because you might not recognize that voice, but if you do, big props. You normally played uh, right back your whole career and then you transitioned to playing left back. 
this year with uh, RSL or the previous year. Uh, what are your expectations with left back or right back this year? Um, yeah, as as you said, I definitely I used to prefer playing right back, but now um, I sort of don't mind either one. I'm willing to play wherever the team needs me. Follow up, please. Great answer. I mean, it's doing whatever it takes to help the team win. So most yeah. happen. Yes, sir. Well, I think we're done here. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> That's all we need. I think That's all we need. Uh, you asked me a soccer question, bro. That's your chance. <laughs> How has preseason been so far? Uh, preseason's been good. Um, it's a grind always, and um, you're sort of working outside your comfort zone because you're trying to get prepared for the long season. So the harder you work in preseason, the easier it is when the season comes. It's obviously only been 10 days of preseason, so I won't ask you how you guys are better and whatnot because I think that's unfair and subjective. But how is this team different from what you've seen early on in the... In the mm, like different than previous years? Yeah, like different from last year, say, even. Yeah, I think this year um, everyone's sort of dialed in on a common goal, whereas last year it was... Sometimes it was all over the place, and that was sort of our downfall all the time. So this year we're all sort of more together as one, it feels like, and everyone's... Like I said, focus on on one common goal. Did you kind of feel that sort of unity, that commonality, like right away, like as soon as preseason start started, guys were like, "Hey, let's do this." Uh, yeah, we definitely we wanted to start off strong immediately, and I think the coaching staff did a good job of sort of getting everyone in the in the same mentality to start off right away. And since then, they they pretty much said if you're if you're not willing to do whatever the team needs, then you're out. So everyone's everyone's done what they've been asked so far. What do you think the value is of starting this preseason with defense versus last year when you guys started with attacking? Is that what we did last year? That's what he, that's what Coach said. Oh, I don't even remember that far back. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's always good to work from back to front, obviously. Um, defense wins championships, like they always say. So if we can get the whole team working as one on defense, then it's only going to benefit us going forward. With um, one of the reasons Mike said that, that that was kind of like a shift that he was doing is because of the road record last year that it wasn't great, obviously. Um, you guys have, uh, was it nine of the first 15 on the road this year? How important do you think it's going to be to kind of get some of those, to get some wins on the road early to kind of maybe hopefully catapult the rest, like just help you for the rest of the season, give you guys some momentum? Yeah, it's huge. I don't, last year was tough start on the road we obviously we weren't getting very many wins or ties on the road so um obviously if we could start that start getting more wins on the road earlier on in the season it's going to make the end of the season a lot a lot easier and I think like I said us being closer together is extremely important come road games so as long as we're all together as a team we'll we'll do much better on the road this year do you feel like you guys kind of learned how to travel, I guess, for lack of a better term, how to kind of take your form on the road later in the year because you started to pick up more and more results. And then yeah. obviously that big win at LAFC helps a lot. Did, did that kind of help? Did you kind of learn a little bit more what being on the road's like, how to focus a little bit more, that sort of thing? And does yeah. that kind of help moving forward, I guess? Yeah, I mean, personally, I learned a lot going on the road because, I mean, at the beginning of the year, I wasn't playing. So obviously once I started playing on the road, I got to learn what it's like. And, I mean... Going on the road is just all mentality. So, like I said, if your group is very tight-knit and you're all going in there together, then it's going to be a lot easier. But 
we can't go in there with the wrong mentality that we're going away from our home where we're comfortable at to going to somewhere where we're not comfortable and expecting to win. It's not it's not just going to happen. We have to all be have the same hard working mentality, and then that's then you give yourself a chance on the road. Mentality is kind of like a theme that guys say like is one of the biggest aspects to winning on the road versus you know just winning at home, right? Yeah. But how how much do you think like? For instance, um, travel or uh, turf versus grass or maybe tweaks in the dimensions of the field wherever it is that you're going around the country. How much does that play into how teams have to play on the road and why it seems so difficult for the entire league to, to win more on the road? Yeah, I mean, it, definitely all the little all the little differences when you're traveling sort of add up and sort of culminate into one big difference that... Um, than playing at home, so I mean, um, but like I, I can't say it enough. It's going on the road is just the mentality. So if we have the right mentality going in, you're probably going to do good. But if you're sort of stressing about all these outside things and you're not focused, then um, that, that's when teams struggle struggle on the road. What are some of your goals for your uh, second MLS season? Um, yeah, I mean, I would definitely like to be more consistent throughout the year and sort of get consistent minutes throughout the year whereas last year I was injured at the beginning and I mean that's another huge goal is to make it through the year with no injuries now that you're not one of the new kids what what's kind of your perspective what have you seen through the first week plus of training camp I guess of some of the some of the new guys some of the young kids and now it's also your chance to trash Tate if you want <laughs> no um, all the new guys coming in are they're they're all good players and they can all contribute right from the beginning um I don't think anyone that they brought in is here to develop. I mean, every, they're definitely here to develop, but I think every player has a chance to be a starter at the beginning of the year if they if they really wanted to. So, um, yeah, I mean, every every player they brought in is a quality player, and they're going to make a difference. All right, Sean, you teased it right before we played that interview. Pay attention to that voice. You, you gave props. You said, if anybody recognizes this, so I'm going to let you go ahead and spill it. Who was it? Well, well, do you know who it was? I do because you told me before we recorded this, so I'm not going to spoil it for you. I wouldn't. I'll, I'll admit I wouldn't have known if it was just me listening to it. So that was that was the voice. The first question asked, we gave him the first question too. Uh, so shout out to RSL rookie and former Louisville standout, RSL Academy standout Tate Schmidt, who. Yep. Um, you know, Aaron gave him a little bit of a shtick about asking a soccer question for his first media day interview. Yeah. But I got to say, he was composed. He jumped right into it. Uh, he was professional. Yeah. He didn't start his his question with the dreaded talk about phrase. Um, so I got to say, if this whole soccer thing doesn't work out, Tate Schmidt's only 21 years old. Maybe sports reporting is in his future. Tate, here's the thing. Don't go the talk about route. Never, ever, ever. Just don't. No, don't do it. I'm glad you avoided it. I'm glad you you, you had the sense at 21 years old to get away from it. So well done on you. But it was cool to hear from Aaron Herrera. I'm excited, Sean. This season's coming pretty quickly here. And Herrera, it appears at least, is going to be a mainstay at left back for RSL. Um, I do know that he kind of talked about the fact that, uh, hey, I played right back growing up, but he feels comfortable at that left back spot. And I think that is an important spot to have locked down and have a steady player at that spot. Yeah, and there's a, all of a sudden, RSL has just a load 
of fullback options, they do. which isn't a bad thing either. When you talk about the condensed MLS schedule, more midweek, more midweek games than mm-hmm. ever before, especially once you get into like the May, June, July months of the year. Yes. Um, there's going to be a lot of rotation in there and a lot of opportunities for young guys like Aaron to take big steps forward with their playing time. Um, as as they move now into no longer rookies, second-year players. Well, yeah, let's just look at that list real quick. Tony Beltran, of course, he plays right back. He's been a steady player there for a long time. He's on that list. Adam Henley, who was a big signing last offseason. Former Premier League player. Yeah, former Premier League player. You mentioned Aaron Herrera. Um, Eric Holt, I'm interested to see if he could play it. He's mainly been a center back in his career, but I wonder at this level if he could play outside back. And then, of course, you also have the original RSL Academy signing, Donnie Toya returns to the club. The OG. The OG. Yeah, there you go. The OG, Donnie Toya. So, yeah, like you said, Sean, there are multiple options here. All right, Sean, uh, let's wrap up the segment now and talk about a new competition that is coming to the Wasatch Front. It's going to involve Real Monarchs SLC. They're going to be hosting as part of their preseason warm-up. They're calling it the Wasatch Winter Cup ahead of their fifth season in the USL Championship Division. Can you explain more about what this is, um, and do you have any insight on how it came about, I guess? Because you, you, you seem to be more tied in to what's going on with the Monarchs than I do, and I'll, I'll freely admit that. But you seem to pay attention a little closer to this and have a little more insight on what's going oh, on. Oh, far, far from it, my friend. Far, far from it. But as we know, uh, MLS and USL, therefore, by or the USL Championship, I guess mm-hmm. we need to start calling it, yes. by extension— uh, they play in a reverse calendar uh, from the rest of the world. So they're playing from um, roughly you know March to November-ish mm-hmm. there in the spring through the summer, et cetera, which is when most of the rest of the world has their off season. Um, and, uh, and the reason why these teams, why North American teams play in this, this reverse calendar is... Well, I guess there are a lot of reasons. Look but, outside. But, one of the, but yeah, one of the big reasons is what is weather issues. Yes. You, you can't really play soccer in North America in December and January. What do you mean? Even Chi- February. Chicago last week would have been great with the negative 21 degrees and a 50, per, 50, <laughs> negative 50 wind chill. Come on, Sean. Yeah, and we're currently recording this while Salt Lake City is being hit by a little bit of a mini blizzard. Um, <laughs> and so I looked outside this morning. At my house in Utah County, and saw snow, and thought that looks like football weather. That really looks like football weather. Uh, so yeah. no, so so obviously, you know, weather is a factor in terms of calendar, in terms of scheduling, etc. And it's even more of a factor in the preseason now, as MLS and USL clubs try to get their preseason together, um, and and that's that's taking them to a lot of warmer climates. You know, RSL is in uh, Hawaii right now. They're yep. going to move over to Tucson, Arizona soon. They spent the first week of preseason in Los Angeles. You know, they basically, they, um, for lack of a better term, they, they didn't want to spend it, the preseason in this weather, or as little as possible. Well, duh. Come on. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I don't blame them. I mean, that's yeah. perfectly acceptable. So the Monarchs have this, this similar issue, but they don't quite have the travel budget, if yes. you will, as Real Salt Lake. So trying to bring teams... In to to Harriman, I guess, to the mm-hmm. Salt Lake Valley yeah. for preseason is really challenging. So what they did 
Um, and what I've heard from from Monarchs General Manager Dan Egner and uh, some of the the front office people with that club is they organize a competition. Yep. And it's going to have a full trophy. Um, it's going to have multiple games. It'll be a full tournament format, etc. It'll be it'll involve three USL Championship teams: Real Monarchs SLC, Colorado Springs Switchbacks, um, which you want to talk about preseason weather, Colorado Springs, um, and Reno eighteen sixty eight. Yeah, which so another cold weather club. Three cold weather clubs. Yeah, yeah, they're all going to come together in Harriman for about a week. It's the week of February fifteenth through the twenty first. They're going to play this round robin tournament, etc. Decide a winner, um, and then the uh, and then the supporters groups for each of them have designed a trophy that they're going to award to the winner of this little kind of three team mini tournament. Um, all the games will be at uh, at Zions Bank Stadium in Harriman. If there is inclement weather, they'll move indoors to that indoor yeah. practice facility right next door. But it all it'll all be right there on the campus. Fans are invited to come out. Tickets will be uh, cheap, occasionally free, cheap concessions, um, that kind of thing. But it's just an opportunity to see a young Monarchs team and a brand new Monarchs team under brand new head coach uh, Martin Vasquez, and and kind of get a first look at them through uh this season so really cool thing to see what they did and kind of making the best of a situation that's uh maybe not always ideal if you will no it's true Um, but but certainly making 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 lemonade out of these lemons it would yeah it would be nice if this club was based in texas because you could play year round and whatnot but they're here along the wasatch front you have to deal with it and sean i actually so i just read this all Wasatch Winter Cup matches are open to the public. So it looks like they're actually free. You can go out and watch them, uh, see some USL Championship preseason action. And as you said, this is – well, we've talked about the Monarchs on this podcast in the past. This is a, pro, this is a team that is definitely um, – Proven that they're one of the elite teams in the USL, and they'll be in the USL Championship this year, the newly created division that they're playing in. And I'm expecting them to continue on just what they've done. They want to have a little, probably a little more success in the playoffs, but they should be another good team again this year. Yeah, so Friday, February 15th is the kickoff for the event. It's Real Monarchs against Reno 1868. That's Friday, February 15th, 7 p.m., Zions Bank Stadium in Harriman. If you get there and it's really snowy, the weather is that bad. Go indoor to the indoor practice facility mm-hmm. at the academy because uh, that's where it'll be. But it's, I mean, you've been out to the stadium before. It's literally right next door. You, you, you can't miss it. Yeah, exactly. And there's so. not a whole lot out there in ha- that part of Harriman here to get in. <laughs> True. Place, so. Well, and we'll update you on this next week as, as these matches draw closer because it is a full week of action. They're also going to be taking on UVU in the middle of it. It's not part of that cup, but there's plenty of action to see. Uh, the maybe, maybe we'll get some uh, Monarchs interview. Edge, we can even work on, that, yeah. on the Absolutely. podcast. Around we we that. need to get their new head coach on first. Come I'll make on. some calls. All right, let's do it. I'll make it. some calls. All right, Sean, well, let's take a time out here. We'll come back. Need to talk about some of the news in MLS and also the U.S. men's national team. You mentioned Corey Baird, U.S. men's national team player. We'll talk about that next, right here on Salt City FC. Welcome on back to Salt City FC. I'm Jay Catch. He is Sean Walker, your host here on this weekly podcast. Sean, let's talk about some of the news in MLS this week. And I think the biggest news is the fact that Toronto 
has lost one of the best players and I think one of the greatest players in MLS history in Sebastian Giovinco. And it appeared that it was a situation that could have been easily avoided, but now he is headed to the Middle East. Yeah, all-time leading goal scorer for Toronto FC really helped turn around a club that was... um, Maybe not quite a doormat, but pretty close. Certainly a couple of years before he got there, they were very much a doormat. Talk about a big um, underachiever at the very minimum. And, and certain, certainly an underachieving club. Sebastian Giovinco came in, um, and with a couple of other players, Josie Altador, Michael Bradley, etc., yeah. uh, helped turn TFC into a power, you know, a treble-winning power, yep. um, if you will. You know, contending for MLS Cup. CONCACAF Champions League, U.S. Open Cup, uh, et cetera, et cetera, really turned them into one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference, if not the best, um, certainly until Atlanta United came in there. Uh, and now Giovinco has been kind of an unceremoniously moved to Al-Ilal FC in Saudi Arabia. And if I mispronounce that, I apologize I to, our, to our Arabic listeners. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, it's it's officially official, as they say. There's been a press release, contract is signed, the uh, the ink is dried. The 32 year old Italian striker will represent Alilal FC. He was introduced to the crowd uh, last last uh, Monday uh, in their four uh, one win over Al Fate mm-hmm. in league play, um, and uh, yeah, he is boots on the ground, ready to get going with this Middle Eastern super club. Um but again, I mean I this is I mean this is a big move by Toronto FC. And yeah, I mean Giovinco is he's thirty two years old now, but he came into the club when he was twenty seven, really at the height of the prime of his career. Yep. He made just over a hair over seven million dollars last year. He was the biggest signing in club history. He's one of, if not the biggest signings in major league soccer. He and he was a guy who did it without having necessarily already risen to the height of his career, a la David Beckham, a la, mm-hmm. um, a la uh, the Lions, Latan Ibrahimovic, etc. He was a guy who he still had a lot to prove, and he did a lot of that proving in Major League Soccer, and now he's making that payday based on what he did in Major League Soccer. I just, uh, you you alluded to it a little bit, Jake, um, and, and longtime listeners to the podcast will know that I... I think the Sebastian Giovinco signing at TFC really was a a signature signing, not only for the club, but for MLS. And I just wish that there was a way that this had gone down a little bit better than simply a guy going into the last year of his contract, sitting out preseason, and then under the radar signing with a club in the Middle East. I yeah. just I wish there was a better way that, oh, yeah. th- that this came about. Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm with you on that because... Guy's a legend. He did, like you said, did eighty three goals. Yeah, eighty three goals in four years. And he was one of the best, like in terms of just on field personality, one of the best in MLS. He just he brought eyeballs to a league that craves attention. And yeah, to see him unceremoniously shipped off to the Middle East just it doesn't sit right with me. But he he had his piece to say about Toronto on the way out the door as well. So I think both sides are moving on. And uh, TFC has signed former U.S. Men's International Terrence Boyd. Uh, He's most recently of Darmstadt in the second division there in Germany. He's part of the plan to replace uh, Giovinco, it appears, but definitely not the same type of player. Terrence Boyd is much more in the mold of a Josie Altidore. 
but it sounds like TFC's got a plan and they're going with it. It's just unfortunate that you lose one of the preeminent uh, talents in this league. And I, I, that's the tough part for me. But Sean, a guy that uh, well, okay. Speaking of our, our good friend Giovinco, he wasn't a fan very often of officiating in MLS, was he? Uh, no, no, he was not. I, I think that's yeah. I think that's fair. It was very clear when he was upset with officiating. Well, uh, news breaking today, and I wanted to talk about this a little bit as well. That near, after nearly a year of negotiations, the professional referee organization, you know it as Pro, and the Professional Soccer Referees Association, or the PSRA, the Certified Labor Union, representing officials employed by Pro, announced the ratification of a new collective bargaining agreement that will run through January of 2024. So the good news is there will be no referee strike no strike and we won't have replacement officials even though i think some fans probably are screaming at me we'll get better officials get replacements because they're probably just as good but pro and psra those those fans have obviously never watched a uh, collegiate soccer match in their life yeah probably not but (laughs) you know I'm with. I have some gripes with PRO, Sean. I think at times that the oh, you do has yeah. Just I follow you on Twitter. I had no idea. No, no, never. I've never had never had a problem with any of them ever. And I no, it's just send send all your soccer officiating gripes to uh, Jake Hatch's burner account at PK Kinahan. Oh God, yeah, there we go. And then I'm gonna get it'll take it out on me when I see him the next time. No, it's true though. But uh, they. They do need uh, to have a CBA in place, and they got it in place here. I'm just hopeful, Sean, that this can help continue to build um, the just the status of officiating in soccer in this country. Because too often I feel like you have an official who may be good enough for the USL doing an MLS match. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah. I mean, I I think it's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think this is a good thing. I, you know, I you never want replacement refs, um, and, and also part of I think part of raising the standard of officiating in American soccer um, is to have this continuity and to have opportunities for referees and officials to 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 keep working and to keep improving and and to keep kind of getting feedback at the highest level so that yeah. you're not constantly shuffling in and out and, and looking at a potential strike and replacements and that kind of thing. So good move by the league, good move by pro. And um, they, they, ha- happy to see them get together. Exactly. And they do have a good uh, a, a good man running this organization that is pro GM Howard Webb. He is a long time heard of him. Long time international and Premier League official one of the most respected guys in the sport in terms of officiating. So he does, they do have good leadership. I'm just hopeful that the product in terms of officiating on the field continues to go up because there are times each season that you hear fan bases just go berserk over a call or a lack of a call that happens when an official maybe have been out of position uh, or something happened where they made a call just makes people upset plain and simple so good to hear that they're they're all set and we'll be ready for the season coming up here all right sean let's take our penultimate timeout here on the podcast come back with everybody's favorite segment that is added time where we catch up on the news and notes that we haven't touched on in the podcast normally it's just news of the weird when it involves the soccer world we'll talk about that next right here on salt city fc
back to Salt City FC. Final segment on this week's podcast. I'm Jake. He's Sean. This is, of course, what we call added time, where we kind of peruse the internet and find the stories that might not necessarily fit in the other segments we have on the show, but they're also normally stuff that's a little bit outside the box in terms of the thinking. And Sean, I'm going to let you go ahead and go first this week. Jake, are you a Netflix subscriber? I am. I've got a show that uh, I think, a a show recommendation for all of our Netflix friends out there. Okay. Um, It's called Sunderland Till I Die. I've heard of it. I know you're a Tottenham fan. I am. But I'm sure sure you're a longtime follower of uh, Sunderland AFC. Always. Um, Long time. So so Sunderland Sunderland Till I Die, obviously. (laughs) Uh, Well, Sunderland, if you'll recall, a couple years ago, they were a Premier League team. Okay. Um, and they just got relegated about two two years ago yeah. to the English League Championship, the English Second Division. So a filmmaking crew, uh, and they eventually got picked up by Netflix, but a filmmaking crew went and they wanted to chronicle Sunderland, this longtime Premier League club, as they played their um, lone season in the championship mm-hmm. um, and, and just kind of chronicle their plight of getting back into the Premier League. Okay. Uh, so the do- the the documentary is called Sunderland Till I Die. It just recently released on Netflix, I think about a month ago, and I'm just barely getting to it. Um, and they had a very different experience. Rather than chronicling uh, Sunderland's plight and move back to the Premier League, yep, uh, they went the opposite direction. <laughs> and they backslid. Su- yeah, and Sunderland Sunderland suffered the famed double relegation. So uh, they're where now in they the... are now in English League One. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So um, the production company is called Fullwell73. They got all sorts of behind-the-scenes access, kind of all access to the club, because, again, they were planning on this being so this is, kind of a celebratory moment to get back this up This is kind of like hard knocks in the NFL or last chance you if you're a college football fan. Yeah, a little bit. Okay. There's a little bit of that kind of behind-the-scenes stuff um, like that. But uh, it's it's really interesting because they became the first club to be double relegated since the 2012 and 2013 Wolves, you oh, might yeah. recall. Yep. The one that won the English FA Cup yeah. and then got relegated and then quickly got relegated again. Wolves Pro- are ba- now back up top, though. Yeah, and now they're back up. Um, prior to them, the last team to be double relegated, for those wondering, were the 1994 and 95 Swindon Town. Okay. Um, which, once again, they just... Just previous, they made the run actually to what was the uh, the old uh, final at Wembley, um, and then they backslid twice, two years in a row there as well. So all is not lost. Teams come up, teams come down. I mean, that's the beauty of promotion and relegation. But just a really unique, interesting look at this club, which certainly uh, uh, coaches, managers, you know, the board, players, fans, media, they all thought this was just going to be a one-year stay in the English League Championship. And it turns out it was. Yeah, it was. Just not in the way that they expected to see. And it was all caught on video via Sunderland Till I Die. Again, you can check it out on Netflix. If you haven't by now, go pull it up. Add it to your queue. It's it's good stuff. Okay, Sean. So I was going to go with the story here on Neymar because Neymar is a big name in the sport. I've never heard of him. I'm actually going to change gears here. I literally just saw Uh-oh. this. Uh-oh. According to sources, and this is a story that is uh, 10 News in San Diego. Well, apparently, officials from Major League Soccer and San Diego State University have met to discuss the possibility of a team playing in the new Aztec football stadium once it opens in 2022. 
So we're talking MLS expansion rumors, Sean. Yeah. Um, it would be interesting because San Diego for a long time was considered a, a, a market that we passed over simply due to the proximity of Tijuana and Liga MX just across the border there. You and I have talked about this, but if the fact that SDSU Athletics has met uh, with MLS and talked about the possibility, because so what it is is currently San Diego, what's known as San Diego County Credit Union Stadium, which is the old Jack Murphy Stadium, is slated to be demolished here in the relatively near, near future. And on the site, San Diego State is going to build a West Campus along with a 35,000-seat stadium, which would be the home for San Diego State men's football and also potentially an MLS club. And also, if the league lasts that long... The uh, San Diego fleet of the Alliance of yeah, American Yeah, Alliance of American Football also would play there, correct. So this is just very interesting to me that San Diego was very much uh, thought of as an afterthought. Of course, the news coming out that MLS is uh, looking like, uh, of course, they have a new uh, sponsor, a new billionaire signing on with Sacramento. Well, San Diego is now going to hop into the fray here, maybe at least, and bid for a, a major league franchise, a major, major league soccer franchise. Yeah, and, and San Diego has always been kind of flirtatious with MLS in they the past. Have. They've sort of been yeah. in and out, and, and Landon Donovan is very much on board, so MLS can't totally ignore them. Um, but the, the funding hasn't always been there. The investors haven't always been there. The market share isn't necessarily there. San Diego is a very good soccer market, but yes. it's not a great MLS market. Yep. Um, they've already got massive competition from uh, Club Tijuana right across the border. Um, there's actually a, a pretty significant supporters group between 500 and 1,000 strong, depending on the week, that buses in, season ticket holders that bus in to Tijuana every week. Um, so there is already that just a massive amount of competition in that area. But if you're talking about a place that already has a 35,000-seat stadium, granted one that will be shared with a college football team, yes, um, we're... we're we're seeing that's not necessarily as much of an issue right now with the rise of Atlanta United. I mean, no, this is this no. is a team that that plays in an NFL stadium, a remodeled NFL stadium, and is the they're the highest selling, um, uh, high, highest grossing or highest selling team in the league. The you Seattle mean. Sounders are doing the same thing um, up in Seattle with yeah. with the Seahawks home field. I mean, we're that that's becoming. I think that's becoming less and less of an issue playing in in, in a football ground. So. Uh, just another example of where San Diego is, then isn't, then is again with Major League Soccer and a good reason to keep an eye on it. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. I'm interested to see if they're really going to stop at 28 teams or if it's going to go beyond that. I'm, a, I'm of the opinion. Yeah, we're going to go to 28 and then we're going to jump to 32. That's just my opinion on what's going to happen with MLS expansion, but we'll keep it keep it tracked for you. And soon enough, they'll jump to 36 and then 40 and then 48. Split to two divisions. Man, who knows? But as long as there are owner operators that are willing to pay the expansion fee, yep. MLS will keep expanding, guys. Take the money. Yep, absolutely. Take the money and run. All right, Sean, any final thoughts from you as we wrap up here? As you know, I'm a fan of a certain 90s cult classic, and I just want to tell you, Jacob C. Hatch, and all of our beloved listeners here at Salt City FC to be excellent to each other.